All right, we've made it to the playoffs, or at least six of us have. We and we had some spice heading into this, the week fourteen, um, the last regular season matchup of the of the year. Brad, Mike, and Brian all competing for that last spot, and ultimately Brian pulled it out and squeaked into the playoffs. Um, it's crazy. Brad Brad dropped a, five of the last seven games, pushing him out of the playoffs. And it seemed like it was kind of his spot to lose. He started the season five and two. His team looked great. Um, he just, I don't know, kind of fell apart over the last few weeks or the second half of the season, I should say. And I, on the other side, Mike actually won five of the last seven to put himself in a position to maybe grab that last spot. But and honestly, if Brian had lost his matchup versus Isaac, Mike would have been the last person in the playoffs. But here we are. So the final playoff bracket goes in order of their uh, playoff seed. Goes Tyler, Stefan, Nick, me, Tim, and then Brian in that sixth spot. And the playoffs start tonight, so let's get into this. Welcome to the League of Champions podcast. going to savage you this week all right so the first matchup first of two matchups is uh me and tim uh to be honest uh tim and i are both gonna have tough i think the majority of both of our teams have tough matchups so this first round could be kind of low scoring Uh, right out of the gate though tim lost damian pierce for one or two weeks i don't know why the texans wouldn't just shut him down for the season you know there's it's like they're playing for anything i mean he could be um, like their next, their, their guy. So why risk, um, rushing him back from his high ankle sprain? So, I mean, regardless though, this week, great for me, I kind of have the ragtag group of running backs. So now Tim's kind of in that same boat a little bit. So that makes me feel a little bit better. Um, but I think the scariest part of Tim's team is CD lamb against Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville can score and I think they can keep up with the Cowboys especially when they're at home. And I think it can meet a big passing day for Dak Prescott. Just just for context on the Jaguars, over the past three weeks, the Jaguars have managed to put up an average of 26 points a game with 342 total yards of offense. So they're no slouches on offense. Uh, I think my saving grace will be that the majority of the time, uh, the Cowboys score on the ground. About 53% of the time, their touchdowns are rushing touchdowns. See, I mean, CeeDee Lamb's been very good. Since their bye week, I mean, he scored a lot. He was on pace for 109 receptions, 1,377 yards in in 10 games in those five weeks. So really, I think my only hope is they can kind of keep with what they've done, and with Zeke on the goal line, uh, and the Jaguars are just kind of shut down by the the pass rush of the Cowboys, and they're not man- they don't manage to score as much, and the Cowboys can kind of just keep the ball on the ground. But I I don't know, Ceedee Lamb could come out in the second play of the game and score. So I'm kind of I'm just hoping the game gets away from the Jaguars before CD Lamb gets super involved in the offense. Okay, so now you want to hear some real bullshit. So last week when I played Tim in the last regular season matchup of the of the season, Jerry Judy Jerry Judy put up 29.3 points, by far his best game of the season. You realize how insane that is, though. He scored 25.3 percent of his total fantasy points in the season, ten games 
in that one game against the Chiefs. Over, over a quarter of his total points in one game against me. You know what's not going to happen? That same thing again. This game coming up against the Cardinals is going to be disgusting. Russell Wilson could be out uh, for at least this game. His That concussion looked brutal. So and it's not like they're really playing for much. So why rush him back if he's, you know, it's not like they're going to bend the rules like, you know, teams usually do with these concussions to get him back. Um, I, there's just no reason to do that. And I mean, Kyler Murray's out for the rest of this season, probably the beginning of next season with the torn ACL. I, I just think this game could end up being seven to six. I don't know who wins, but and the, losing, the losing team only would, you know, kick two field goals. I could easily see that happening. Uh, I think Judy and Dulcich are, are both going to have tough games with Brett Rippon. In so he started two games for the the Broncos so far this year, right? And this is his third season in the NFL. Started two games with the Broncos, thrown six interceptions in those two games. So that's a huge plus for me. You know, maybe they just keep giving the ball back to Arizona because of they're just you know not not careful and don't protect the ball and. And I think, honestly, even though Nathaniel Hackett's a, kind of a joke as a coach of the Broncos, I think he knows that his job's in the line. Why make himself look more stupid? Run the ball. You know, probably won't have much success with that. But it's just it, putting the hand the ball in the hands of Britt Rippon when you're not playing for anything except trying to keep your job just doesn't make any sense. So on to the advantage for Tim. Um, that was kind of the advantage for me. You know, two of his players are got a really bad quarterback. And so the advantage for Tim, uh, I've gone back and forth. I had Mike White in my lineup for a minute. I had Gino. I mean, I had um, Daniel Jones in my lineup for a minute, but I, and it probably is stupid because of what happened to week two against Gino, which I think I'll get into a little bit more here, but I'm starting Gino Smith again. He got me to this point. Uh, I'm just going to roll with it. I'm going to hope that they figured it out and look and watched a lot of their week two game film. But I think Tim's best chance um, or the the biggest advantage he has based on my roster is the fact that I have the Geno Smith DK Metcalf stack against the best defense in football. They've allowed the least points and and yards, total yards on the season. In week two, the Seahawks only managed to put up seven points on them. I'm praying it's not a rerun of that game. And the Seahawks have you know managed to fix whatever the hell happened. None of that bodes well for me. I, I want to dig a little deeper into how the Seahawks have performed in the passing game against tougher defenses since then. So their averages, they've only played um, three teams that are like a top half passing defense, right? So they played the Saints, Bucks, and Panthers. Um, in those games, they've averaged 200, 243 passing yards, eight total passing touchdowns. And in those games, two passing touchdowns have gone to DK Metcalf. So uh, that's not bad, I guess. It's not great. Uh, low passing yards, but relatively high touchdown total. I wish more went to DK, but maybe that changes this game, hopefully. And then kind of the split between their home and away games. Um, th- this game is at home for the Seahawks. In week two, they were at 49ers. So uh, there are six games at home. They averaged 230.5 passing yards. 11 passing touchdowns, three of those have gone to DK. And then their away game, 255.8 passing yards a game, 14 total passing touchdowns, three to DK. So they do better away. 
and they did awful against the 49ers in week two. So I'm I'm terrified. I probably will waffle in and out of having Geno in my lineup like three more times before the game kicks off tonight. But I don't know, man. You just got to – sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and roll because I'll feel even more stupid if I start Brett – I mean, um, Mike White, you know, and he's had one good game. I, I would just feel – and granted, he's going against the Lions, but, man, if I started him and he sucked and Geno was great or Geno was even good – I would just feel like such a moron. So now for my advantage, I hope I already talked about Tim's CD lamb um, and what will happen there. So what I hope my advantage is Zonovan Knight. I didn't realize this guy's name was Zonovan. When I picked him up, it was just Z Knight. So great name. Never heard that before in my life. Uh, and Yeah. So the Jets surprise running back who's been super effective over the past three weeks. So the past three weeks, he's had. Um, 46 attempts, 230 yards. So it's like five yards of carry and scored a touchdown. And he's also caught all 10 of his targets for 68 yards. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this game hits 70 points. So, you know, it's the jets versus the Lions. I just hope that night. I also, also wouldn't be surprised if the total score for this game was seven points. So that's kind of my worry about starting Mike white. But anyways, I hope that night can just get a huge portion of whatever happens. And I and I think kind of the rest of my team has terrible matchups, and he doesn't. So I'm really hoping I can lean on him. Um, I'm especially worried about Devonte Adams because New England's what they've always done, and what everyone always talks about is when they play anything they play against, they just try to take away their best weapon and make the rest of the team beat them. Devonte Adams is kind of their only weapon, so hopefully they they see Josh Jacobs as a bigger threat just because of the seasons he's had. But it's it's kind of hard to imagine that with the success that Devontae Adams has had forever. So Adams could be completely erased. Um, or the New England defense just might not be good enough to do that. Kind of remains to be seen. I just wish I was going up against almost any other team in that league, in the league this week with Devontae Adams. So, yeah. My advantage, Donovan Knight, I think. Tim, CD Lamb, my disadvantage is the Geno Metcalf stack. Uh, Tim's disadvantage, the Dulcich and, and Jerry Judy on the Broncos. So the next matchup, second of two, Brian and Nick. So let's start with, with Brian's potential biggest issue here, or what looks like his biggest issue on paper, right? Jared Goff against the Jets. The Jets have been absolutely insane on defense this year, especially against the pass. So in the passing game, in 13 games, somehow they're only seven and six because who knows, but in the passing game, they've only allowed 12 passing touchdowns in 13 games. They've also intercepted the ball 12 times. So that's terrible. (laughs) I mean, uh, a one-to-one ratio in quarterbacks going up against the Jets is just, that is awful. That means either somebody scored, I didn't look at the, the game log, but it means either Somebody didn't score a passing touchdown at all against them, or there's only been like one game that had two, you know, if for that to have happened. So it's like less than a passing touchdown a game. Since the bye, though, um, Jared Goff has been really good. So what's going to happen? So in in eight games since their bye, uh, Jared Goff is averaging, it's almost a 70% completion rate. He's averaging 249 yards a game. Uh, 
he's had 11 touchdowns to three interceptions in those eight games. So he's been fantastic. Weirdly enough, though, only two of those games he played in those in those previous eight is in the top 10 passing uh, top 10 defense against passing yards or against passing um, the Cowboys and the Packers. But four of those eight are in the top 10 for passing touchdowns against. So the Bills, Cowboys, Giants and Bears. And yet golf performed very well in those eight games. You know, those those games included. So what I'm saying is this looks like an issue. And I think a lot of people, um, a lot of podcasts and content I've seen kind of paints it that way that, you know, the Jets defense is shut down. Goff could really blow it. And maybe he will um, because, you know, he has a history of doing that too. But it appears, I think Goff and the Lions offense is legit. We saw a flash of Jamison Williams last week. Um, and Goff's performed well against good pass- passing defenses so far this season. Uh, I doubt there's, I actually know there isn't anything better on the waivers because I'm panicking about Gino. So I think Brian's kind of rolling with golf and hoping for the best. And I think the best could be great. Um, It could also be terrible. But if I had to bet, I would say it's going to be great. Uh, A sneaky upside opportunity for Brian is TJ Hawkinson, who goes up against the Colts. Tenth worst in the league against the tight end. um, When you look at the receiving yards and touchdowns allowed. Um, The problem since joining the Vikings so far is that he's not scoring. He's only got one touchdown in six games. So that's, I mean, that's obviously bad. If you look at his 17 game pace since he's been with the Vikings, um, 102 receptions, 856 yards. I mean, that's great, especially being the third, maybe even a fourth, you know, if you count Dalvin Cook receiving option. So if he can get that, get that scoring up, I think it would be Fantastic, and what a better time to do it than right now in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I, I think there's major upside for him in this game against the Colts with the focus they're going to have to put on Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen. It's just it's not usually a position you want for your that you want your upside to come from, you know, unless you have Travis Kelsey or normally what Mark Andrews is, but hasn't been this season. But we saw back in Week Four what can happen with someone like Hawkinson. He scored four total touchdowns. So Brian just needs to cross his fingers that the Vikings channel their inner lions and, and get Hawkinson in the end zone at least a couple times. So now let's uh, let's take a look at what Nick's got going on in the first round of the playoffs. Um, the two things that really jump out at me immediately are Christian Watson and Evan Ingram, and for very different reasons. So we'll start with Christian Watson. Uh, I'll preface this by saying there's absolutely no way you can bench Watson at this point, obviously. Uh, weeks one through nine. He played six games, right? So this is his stat line from six games. 14 targets, 10 receptions, 88 yards, no touchdowns. It, well, actually, he rushed three times for 19 yards and a touchdown. So one touchdown in total. In the four games since, he's had 27 targets. Okay, so he went from 2.3 targets a game to 6.8 targets a game. 1.7 receptions to 3.8 receptions. 14.7 yards to 78.3 yards. And he has seven touchdowns in four games. So, I mean, his his pace for the last four games uh, would put him at 64 receptions, 1,330 yards, and 30 touchdowns, 30 receiving touchdowns. But then also, he's rushed the ball twice for 49 yards and it's score. So all in all, he would be somewhere around 1,540 yards of total offense and 34 total touchdowns in a 17 game season. If he had started doing this from the beginning, you know, 
you know how paces work. Um, that's just to put that in context. Obviously, that's not going to continue, right? That's that's insane. Um, this is a fluke. At least the scoring is a fluke. His involvement in the offense might not be, but he's not going to score seven seven touchdowns every four games. Um, that thirty four touchdowns that he would be on pace for in the seventeen game season is more than twenty four quarterbacks through last season. There's only thirty two teams in the league, so. Again, obviously that's not going to continue, but how stupid would you feel if you benched him and he did, right? So you keep running him out there, especially against an incredibly bad Rams defense. So in in the last seven games for the Rams, um, they've allowed a 12 to 4 touchdown um, to interception ratio, allowing like almost a 70% completion rate, 1,800 yards, which is like 255 passing yards a game. I guess the only the only shred of concern you have for Christian Watson, right, is this week Romeo Dobbs is coming back. Romeo Dobbs kind of had that that started to build that connection with Rodgers at the beginning of the season. So I don't know. I don't think I don't think it completely transitions back to Romeo Dobbs by any means. And honestly, I don't think he's the athletic um, has the athletic ability to to do what Christian Watson is doing and kind of be that one despite not really having a lot of experience in big games or um, against this type of competition. So I think, I think Rogers will be able to spread the ball around, including to the running backs. Uh, I just, I think basically I'm saying all this to say that the volume could be a little bit lower for Watson and the volume has already been kind of, I mean, it's almost four receptions a game is okay. You know, but if that goes down to two, um, that's just, you're going to have to hope for a huge play, which he's been, delivering on, but still it just makes it a little bit more concerning. Um, obviously he's still a smash play. You have to start him now for Evan Ingram and his bullshit that he's pulled on fantasy managers since the dawn of time, you get one game and actually I looked into it. It's not even one game, but you get one ish game of, of a season where he, you know, has an explosive week like he did last week. Oh, I'm sorry. Week was it week 14 or 13? Um, where he had the two touchdown game. I want to say it was week 13, actually. Let me just peek at that really quick. But yeah, basically this, you know, this happens once a season. He propels himself into the fantasy discussion again. People still toy with the idea of starting him. Okay, so it was week 14. It was last week against the the, the Titans. 162 yards, two touchdowns on 15 targets. Ridiculous. Um, but he should be so far out of the discussion, it's it's shocking. And so when I said that, when I said one ish game a season, that was a lie. So he's had four games in his career. Okay. So he started playing in 2017. So this is his fifth, fifth season. He said four games in his career when he had more than hundred receiving yards, including that game last week. And he's only had one game of his career where he got two or more touchdowns. Again, that game last week, he's just not good in this matchup is miserable. Um, you know, it's, Again, I just I kind of went into depth on, you know, the Cowboys or not in depth, but I've talked a lot about the Cowboys pass rush. They have really good linebackers. Um, so I mean they could even yeah, I don't know. Trayvon Diggs could even end up on him. So it's just it's not good. And let's take let's take a quick peek at what he did the three previous games before his last, you know, last week, his explosion. So 12 targets, 9 receptions, 48 yards, and a touchdown. 
So that's what he did the three weeks before his game last week. That's combined. That's all three games. So he had three times more receiving yards and three and three more targets, three more targets, three times the receiving yards just last week than he did in the previous three weeks combined. The, the Cowboys have allowed 188.8 passing yards per game since they're buying week nine with only seven passing touchdowns and, and they got four interceptions also. And they get so much pressure on the quarterback. I can't say it enough. The, the highest QB pressure percentage. I finally said it. Fucking Christ, dude. Week 15, I finally said it. Uh, on the season with 27.9% of the time, they get pressure on the quarterback. Second most sacks in the, on of any team in the league with 48. Trevor Lawrence has been great at avoiding pressure. Um, the Jaguars line's okay, but he's been really good at avoiding pressure and not taking sacks. But he's going to have those. He's really going to have his work cut out for him. And I think Evan Ingram might be the the third or fourth receiving option on the team. And you know maybe he gets peppered with targets again in a short passing game, but you just can't. I mean, if he, you wouldn't even have been. I mean, you would have been happy if his three games before his explosive week last week were all combined into one game, you know, nine receptions, 48 yards and a touchdown. You probably would have been pretty happy, but that was three games. It's just his pace off those three games before last week was 51 receptions for 272 yards and six touchdowns in 16 games. That's, that's what that would have worked out to be. He's just not, he's not good. He's not involved. Last week was a fluke. 15 targets. That'll never happen again in his career. Um, anyways, so looking ahead, kind of like what to watch. I'm just going to go super, like extremely, extremely basic, high-level stuff. Um, looking at Tyler and Stefan's team because they're both in the bye. Um, super weird scheduling for Tyler's team. Tyler's entire team, except Kenneth Walker, have home games in Week 16. Travis Kelsey's going up against an extremely beatable Seahawks defense. It looks like most of Tyler's matchups are kind of middle of the road at best or at worst, I guess, which, whichever way you want to say that. Um, so it could be tough sliding for either me or Tim, whoever you know ends up facing wins this week and goes up against them. And then for Stefan's team, it's not that weird, I guess, actually, now that I look back. Um, Stefan's whole team outside Amon Ross St. Brown have home games in week 16 as well. And I think one of the most interesting things about Stefan's roster and maybe what will give, you know, whoever goes up against him, Nick or Brian, is that Tua and Tyreek go up against the Packers, which has been one of the better passing defenses lately. Uh, it's hard to imagine beating Stefan when his team has an on week, but wishing best of luck to either Brian or Nick in that next round. Um, hopefully one of you beat him so that whoever, you know, hopefully one of you beat him. I beat Tyler, and then I don't have to play Stefan in the championship. Uh, that's a few weeks down the road, but <clears throat> here's to looking ahead. One more note, too, because uh, I was just thinking about this and kind of the realization this morning. Um, Stefan and, Ty- and Tyler, their teams are on bye, but the players in the NFL don't have the bye. So injuries can still happen. Offenses, defenses can still shift drastically. Um, they, they don't play this week, obviously Stefan and Tyler, but it doesn't mean they don't have to monitor what's happening closely and plan for that first matchup in week two of the playoffs or in the second week of the playoffs. So everyone who's still in the playoffs, and even if you're not, um, should still be paying attention. And, and, you know, if some, you see somebody go down on their team, scooping the backup, you know, whatever, whatever that is, um, it's just, they, they have a week off, but 
things are still happening. So they can't just kind of check out and, and wait to see what happens. So everyone's got to stay on their toes for this. So that's it. Um, I'm working on getting a trophy right now. I think you guys all saw in the group chat. I was trying to figure out who the fuck won the league for the past since 2018. Um, finally figured it out. Thanks to Tyler. For some reason still has text from 2018, which is insane. Uh, but figured that out. I'll be getting the trophy. Um, I'll be getting the plaques <clears throat> for each year. Um, and then kind of starting last year and going forward, they'll have the team name with the person right now. It's just going to be team and your last name and then your name on it too, because I don't remember what the fuck people's names were or team names were. Um, and then we'll just kind of pass that around. So, uh, whoever wins this season, will be able to hold on to it until the draft or actually, yeah, they'll be, no, they'll be able to hold on to the next winner. Um, so it'll be, it'll be cool to kind of have that. Uh, it's a really nice looking trophy. It's all black. Uh, that's pretty sweet. So, um, that'll be coming in hopefully. And yeah, um, we got the Christmas games. I was looking at the schedule. I was all, I was like, what? It looked like everyone was playing Saturday, which is kind of the, the case. Um, next, so next Saturday is the 20, 24th. Yeah. So they're not making, they're making five, I think, or five games on Sunday on Christmas day, um, which is must have been what they've done the past couple of years, but keep that in mind too. Um, you know, the leading into week 16 matchups, some players might be, um, on the injury report late or earlier, later, whatever. Um, but the game's a day earlier. So those rest days and everything might have a day happen a day earlier or a day later. So just kind of keep that in mind when you're, you know, weighing your options and everything. Um, but that's it. Hopefully that was, um, I like this, this format's way better for me. Just like two matchups where I can just really dig into instead of, you know, six. Um, so let me know what you guys think and look forward to getting into those matchups next week. Hopefully I still care about the league at that point, uh, but we'll see. All right. So good luck to everybody besides Tim. Um, this will be such redemption if I beat Tim after losing to him twice in the regular season. I hope I do, or the arch nemesis will just continue to grow. Um, yeah, so good luck to everybody but Tim, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Super! Take care now. Bye-bye then. Bye.